Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Greg Johnson, who's CEO of Metallic Minerals, part of the Metallic Group. Uh, we spoke with Group 10, actually, earlier this year, who are also part of that group. These guys are after silver. They have the Kino Silver Project in the Yukon, uh, right next door to Alexco, so provide optionality to Alexco should these guys hit it big. Uh, La Plata is a silver, gold, copper porphyry project down in Colorado, uh, formerly owned by Rio Tinto. So a lot of data points there from the 50s and 60s. Um, depending on how they plan to tackle this and where they get the money from, that could be quite exciting at some point down the line. But for now, it's all about Kino. So enjoy the podcast. Greg, how are you doing, sir? Doing well. Nice to be here. Nice to be here up a mountain. I like your backdrop. It's nice. It's nice. Yeah, this is our our uh, newest acquisition behind me. So that's La Plata. I wish I was there in the yeah. mountains of Colorado. Beautiful. But, uh, Beautiful. Yeah, nice background. Hey, well, um, and where, so where are you today instead, given you're not up a mountain? Yeah, our, our head office is in Vancouver, BC. So I'm, I'm working from my home office. Um, we you know, have a pretty modest office anyways in Vancouver. So we've just shifted almost all of our technical people are out in the regions that we our projects are located. So it hasn't been much of a shift and we're working from home office while the coronavirus thing unfolds here. So. Beautiful, keep those costs down. Okay, um, new story to our viewers and me, uh, we've never spoken before. So why don't you give us a one minute overview and then I'll uh, pick it up from there. Yeah, you bet. So Metallic Minerals is a relatively new company. We started in mid 2016. We are silver focused. We have projects in the Yukon, the historic high grade Kino Hill Silver District, and in the Southwestern US in the uh, also high grade historic La Plata Silver Gold Copper District. Okay, I couldn't help but notice that you've also got the, you know, as well as Metallic, they're part of the Metallic group of companies you call Silver. And I think we've spoken with Group 10 previously. I mean, how did you guys all come together? Yeah, so my background, I started out my career with Placer Dome that became Barrick, and then went on to co-found Nova Gold with the, the team there. So many of the people in the Metallic group are former alumni of Nova Gold. We've got some Ivanhoe people, uh, we've got some people from Stillwater. Uh, and so back in 2016, we kind of came together and said, oh, it's been a brutal bear market. How do we position ourselves for the inevitable next bull market? And how do we kind of apply some of the strategy that worked so successfully at Novagold in a new cycle? And so bringing that group together and saying, okay, what are the opportunities going to be this time? And, you know, what were some of the things that really worked? And for us, it was, uh, if we look at the Nova Gold story, it was acquiring assets at the bottom of the market cycle. It was assets that had real scale. They made grade and they had potential to become tier one assets. And we had a team with deep expertise on how to explore those. And so with metallic group companies trying to say, okay, where can we apply that? And what are the opportunities? The first opportunity was to consolidate the other half of the Kino Hill silver district that metallic minerals went after. And that we started doing that in mid 2016 through about 2018 was our, was our acquisition phase. Sorry, sorry, correct interrupt mm -hmm. you yeah. before you tell me the whole story um, is I'm interested in Nova gold. I mean, what, when you use that as a reference point as to what success looks like, I mean, what was the success there in terms of creating shareholder value or, you know, exit and exit number? 
Yeah, so if you look at the early days of Nova Gold, uh, the company was founded in 98. So if you look at that period from 98 to 2002, bear market, very much like we just went through from 2016 to today, that was a $10 million market cap. And Rick and I used to joke, it's your turn to buy the shares today. I mean, it was uh, literally no one cared, right? Um, but we positioned ourselves uh, in 19, uh, well, 2001 to acquire the Donlin uh, Creek gold asset. Uh, at the time, it was an asset I was part of the original discovery team on per, per Placer Dome. So we were quite familiar with the asset. It was out of the money. At $250 gold, it was almost no asset that made money. Um, and we said, it's got scale. It was already 10 million ounces. So it was huge. It was remote but we saw huge exploration potential. And so we brought that in and by expanding the resource and de-risking the resource from you know, PEA to pre-feasibility to feasibility, we drove huge shareholder value. From those early days as a NOAA Gold investor, you would have made a hundred fold return on investment from if you'd come in in 2001 when we acquired Donlin Creek uh, to the, the peak at over $22 a share uh, in 2007. Um, so it was, uh, it was quite a period. And as you know, when we look at the key elements there, you know, we were acquiring that world-class assets, now 40 million ounces of gold at Donald, uh, at the bottom of the market cycle. We were applying our exploration expertise. The market was turning around, so it was starting to value exploration again and growth. Um, and so de-risking that asset and growing it created that value in a pre-production company. And that's the model, that's the strategy, if you will, that we're trying to employ at Metallic Minerals and some of the other companies. Okay, well, that, that's, that's, that's where I want to go. I always start off by asking people new to us about, you know, what the business plan is. And I guess you've slightly revealed what it is that you're going to try and create. So um, how long of, I mean, how long of Metallic how long have metallic minerals been at this? You know, and you talk about your know, Kino Silver project, but was that was that the beginning? Was that the first project you bought? Yeah, so we've we've four projects into the group of companies. Metallic Minerals has two of them: uh, Kino Hill, which we started acquiring in mid 2016 through about 2018. We picked up our 166 square kilometer land position. So effectively, unitizing, uh, consolidating the district alongside of Alexco Resources, who's the operator in the district. Um, and then the La Plata asset came into the portfolio for Metallic in 2019. And uh, you mentioned you'd interviewed Group 10. That we acquired the lower half of Stillwater in 2017. And then our newest company, Granite Creek Copper, acquired its asset in late 2018, uh, which is a copper asset in central Yukon. So how do you finance all of this? Uh, well, you know, up until very recently, it's been raise some capital and go out and do a targeted work program to, to kind of take things to the next stage because our projects oftentimes have a lot of historic work. Um, and recently the Yukon put over a hundred years of assessment records online. Uh, it's been a huge data mining exercise and this isn't particularly expensive work to do. Uh, but there can be tremendous value if you can bring the right modern, um, computer tools, uh, in some cases, even machine learning uh, together to take a look at this uh, and a treasure chest of data and look at it with a new perspective. Uh, I mean, the Kino Hill Silver Disc is a great example. I mean, discovered after the Klondike gold rush, at one point you had 50 or 60 miners that were operating there. That got consolidated on the Western 
half of the district. But even today, with Alexco's recent discovery of the Birmingham deposit, it demonstrates there's world-class deposits waiting to be found in that district with systematic exploration efforts and, and relatively modest exploration budgets. Okay, well, let's talk about what you've got there because, you know, uh, you know, you, you talk about eight-year life of mine, the grades are good, uh, ASIC is okay, but the CapEx is, is, is tiny, so therefore the IRR numbers are, are super, but it's, it, what do you do next? Because I don't know what that tells the market. Yeah, what our target is very much to build on the success that, you know, for instance, Alexco has demonstrated in the district. So they've been able to find 100 million ounces of silver, high-grade ounces, uh, in a district that's been operating for 100 years. So demonstrating there's still low-hanging fruit to be found. Uh, the Birmingham deposit, over 50 million ounces in a new discovery, is probably the best undeveloped silver mine in the world. In terms of grade, over 1,200 grams per ton, that's four times the industry average for silver. Um, and it's shallow, and that's why that capex is, that you mentioned is so low, is because it's a very compact ore body, it's shallow, it doesn't take a lot of capital cost to get in. So one opportunity for metallic minerals exploring in the district is if we find something as exceptional as Birmingham, which that's our target, um, you've got a very modest capital to build a mine and potentially you run that material through the, the mill that already exists in the district. Next door. Okay, so why, why isn't the market more excited about the story you're telling? Well, I think we've done pretty well uh, overall. I mean, uh, coming out of the bear market, uh, we've seen a nice bounce. We're a $40 million market cap. Uh, I think the market is starting to recognize the value here. Yeah, we're up trading at about one-tenth the value of Alexco. So they're half of the district with a mill with six uh, deposits in their life of mine plan is trading at $400 million and we're 40. Uh, I think it just demonstrates the kind of value potential uh, that, that we have in the, in the district. But so what more have you got to do? Because I think you've seen that bounce because Silver's seen a bounce. I mean, that, that, that's probably the reality of it. What more are you going to be able to offer up like this year in terms of saying, like, here's how this story develops. Here's what more we're going to be able to tell you by the end of 2020. I mean, when, when, do, when do drills start turning again, for instance? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so... The process, very similar to what we, we described with Nova Gold, is one of first, in this particular district, we had 40 different targets to look at. So we prioritized among those to say, what are the ones that have the most likelihood to go to, to a resource quickly? And so uh, six of those targets are right along these productive trends that have hosted the biggest deposits in the belt. So we've been focused on those areas first. So we've been drilling on three of those, either drilling, underground sampling, or a combination uh, to advance those towards uh, you know, initial mineral inventories. We're hitting Kino-style mineralization on those, those structures, and we're starting to step out to build tonnage. The second thing we did was we went out to the areas of the district that because of the patchwork land ownership, maybe some of the areas uh, didn't have road access. We followed up on work sometimes all that was back from the 60s, 50s and 60s for the first time. And we've made 12 major new discoveries of multi-kilometer footprint soil and, and rock anomalies that have never been drilled. So the steps that we're gonna be employing are one, to continue to drill on the advanced stage targets, and two, to get the first recon holes into those large scale targets. Um, what we're excited about on the large scale targets is that the footprint is so much bigger than anything that's been seen in the district before, that we may even have the potential for a new style of deposit that hasn't been seen in the district. And that would be 
uh, something, you know, potentially like a Penasquito or a Cripple Creek, a large bulk tonnage silver uh, and gold system uh, that could be closer to the source uh, porphyry systems that, that usually drive these kind of high-grade vein districts. So what allows you to say that? Why do you think it's uh, something new? What do you know? Well, part of our approach has been to step back in the district and look at the big picture, look at it holistically as new guys coming into an old area. And that's, that's kind of our process is can we bring a new model? And so we reinterpreted all of the regional geophysics uh, we've re-looked at the, the regional um, geochemical signature. Uh, what we're seeing is that most of the mines on the western end of the district, um, you know, they are there in part because that part of the district got consolidated early on. But the geology continues to the central and to the eastern part of the district. And so saying, okay, here's the key um, things that you need to make a good Kino-style deposit. You need to be on one of the productive mineralizing uh, you know, systems, one of those key structural corridors. You need to be into the, the brittle host rocks, which in this case is either the quartzite or the greenstone. And if you've got those two ingredients, you've got something really prospective. So we can apply things like soil sampling. If you've got metal in the soil, soil is weathered bedrock. So there's a very good indicator of what you've got in the bedrock below. We can apply airborne geophysics to be able to get a snapshot from the surface of what's going on subsurface. Uh, and we can start to bring mapping and other tools to the table to say, you know, what do we see here? And, and what we see is we see continuations of those same structures that have been so productive on the western part of the district. And we're seeing these footprints, which are in some cases, some of these anomalies are, are, are five kilometers long and a couple kilometers wide at 100 grams per ton silver. And if those kind of grades in the soil over that kind of scale, it's indicating we've got a system that's much bigger than what we've seen before. We combine that, our geophysicist has reinterpreted the geophysics to say, it looks like there's an intense magnetic signature underneath that anomaly, which could indicate you've got a, a, an intrusive or a porphyry that could be driving the system. So whereas Kino is entirely these ultra high grade vein structures, that signature could suggest we've got something else. And people have always said in the Kino district, where did all this metal come from? Uh, and one of the things we've learned in exploration over the last couple of decades particularly in South America, where they've got great exposure in these mountainsides, is oftentimes when they find these high-grade vein districts, there'll be a porphyry district somewhere nearby. It could be kilometers away. In some cases, it's right next door. Um, and so this is what has our team thinking about, wow, um, maybe this is just a bigger Kino-style system. That would be a good outcome. But because of this, uh, these geophysical signatures, we might have something different than has seen uh, we've seen in the past. And okay. That's why we're pretty excited about that. You sound excited. So how do we move from to where we are today with the cash that you've got available, which is how much? We've got $3 million in the bank. We have no debt. We've got about another $3 million in, in the money warrants and options that are starting to come in. Uh, so we've got sufficient capital to be able to undertake a, a pretty substantial drill program this year, focused in part on those, continuing to build on those mineral inventories on the advanced stage targets and getting the first reconnaissance holes into those big early stage targets on the eastern half of the district that, that hasn't seen any expiration. Um, our objective is to try to take the first mineral inventories and turn them into 43101 resources by the end of the year. Um, and, and that'll be a big milestone for the company. Okay, so, that, so that's the big thing that people are looking out for, because otherwise it just, it just sounds like another exploration story with an excited CEO looking at the potential, <laughs> looking at the geology, but you're saying, right, the, the, the first meaningful kind of milestone for the market 
is this 43101. What do you think you uh, need that to say to get the market excited? Well, I think anything, it's such a big milestone to go from expiration only to resource, as long as you've got something that says, hey, this is meaningful. And and what could meaningful be? Well, um, when you look at Alexco, their current mine plan is four to five million ounces of production per year. So one of the really nice things about being in a brownfields district is if we find even a modest deposit, let's say 10, 15 million ounces, that's multiple years of production for that mill. And so even a, a small success, because we're not remote greenfields, we don't have to have the big kahuna right out of the gates to be interesting. It gives us multiple exit strategies. Yeah. Well, so tell me more about so, that, because that, that, that's the bit that interests me. It's like, because otherwise you just keep doing more and more exploration and burning up more and more equity. Your share structure is reasonably tight um, at the moment. But if you keep doing this without trying to look forward, the share number will, will grow and grow. So how do you move the business or grow the, the business as far as the market's concerned? What's the growth component to this story? Because um, you're not necessarily going to be miners, are you? No, I mean, so the way I look at the industry, you really have two groups of, of professionals that are in the mining. You have the guys who find deposits and advance them and de-risk them to feasibility. And you have the guys who are really good at building mines and operating mines. and just like you wouldn't want me, the exploration geologist, to be the guy to build your mine, you wouldn't want the world-class mining engineer to come do your exploration for you. They're very different skill sets. So we are exploration focused. We are about our track record as a team, as multiple discoveries that we've advanced and grown. That's what we're looking to do here with Metallic Minerals and the other companies in the group. So our business model here is where, you know, I, I think one of the things that gets lost for a lot of people is the appreciation of the difference between a remote greenfields project where there's never been a mine, there's no infrastructure, and a brownfields project that's right in next to mines and mills and all that infrastructure. And it's night and day in terms of what do you have to find to be meaningful and what's the capital going to be to bring a mine online. And so the advantage of working in a, in a district like the Kino Hill, where we've got roads, grid power, a mill, expansion potential, road access is huge because it gives us multiple ways that we could advance value. We are gonna be exploration focused. And I think the key there, you know, when you look at what we're gonna be doing is if we can start to build an inventory and we can grow that inventory, it's not dilution, it's value adding if you're showing every dollar you raise becomes three, four, five, or $10 in metal, that's value creation for, for shareholders. So getting to that point where you move from exploration to development and growing and de-risking is, is a key part of that strategy. And where you're located next to an operating mine already that potentially could utilize anything you find at the resource stage, it means we don't have to go raising the capital to take things all the way to feasibility or even to build them ourselves, which can, as you know, sometimes can be numbers that are measured in billions of dollars. So. Okay, so let, let's move away from the theory of how you create value. Give me an example of the things that you're gonna focus on. What are, what are the next couple of things that you're gonna do? I get it, the 43 or 101, okay? You, haven't you still haven't answered the question, what do you think that needs to look like to interest the market? And what else do you do to deliver value? For, you know, otherwise, it is just an exploration story. Well, I think, so you have expiration stories and you have expiration stories. If we look at, you know, um, one, there aren't very few silver uh, explorer developers in the marketplace. You know, one page would cover the producers and the explorer developers. 
Um, so compared to gold, where there's hundreds of stories, there are very few uh, high quality stories in silver. Um, secondly, when you take take that entire list, I don't know, are there 2000 companies, I think, listed on the venture that are in the resource industry um, and say, how many of those companies actually have the potential to have something that could become a mine? It's a pretty short list of those companies. So first and foremost, we've acquired a district scale land position in one of the world's highest grade silver districts. That has strategic value just by itself, uh, by aggregating and unitizing the, the district in, in that regard. Secondly, we've got multiple uh, targets that are showing the characteristics of a classic Kino Hill style deposit. We are advancing on those. Uh, and as those become resources and we advance those resources towards engineering, that creates value. That's the that's the Nova Gold model that we were talking about earlier in terms of develop the resource, grow the resource, de-risk the resource towards feasibility. Uh, and it's a pretty simple business plan, but particularly in a bull market cycle where the market will actually value that kind of growth, it can be hugely value created. Did you make any money at Nova Gold? Did I make money at Nova Gold? Um, well, you know, it was my first, uh, you know, I came out of a major uh, and it was my first company that I was an equity owner, a substantial equity owner. So uh, I built a position over 10 years in the company as an equity owner. Uh, and I did you know, fairly well on the shares. Uh, so uh, that's allowed me to leverage into the subsequent companies I've been involved in and build larger equity stakes each time that I've, I've done this. And this is now my you know, fourth or fifth company that I've been involved in. Uh, so my ownership position in Metallic Minerals and the other two companies in the group is my largest, you know, uh, in my my career. So this is the lion's share of my investment is in these these companies. How much money have you put in? Uh, personally, I've I've got about 10% ownership in the company, and you know, um, you know, pretty substantial amounts. I've participated in every financing since since day one. Uh, writing checks. So there's no seed stock that didn't get paid for any of that kind of stuff here. The team are all owners, got 25% respective ownership, and we purchased those shares as financing alongside of our other investors. Okay. And how are you managing the GNA then, generally? We can keep it quite low because of the shared cost. We have one CFO and accounting um, support group, back office. So we're roughly, you know, to run the company and have the team, each company spends about 400 to 500,000 a year as a public company, which is, that's on the low side of, of company costs. Okay, so why did you go out and buy La Plata? Well, the opportunity there is that uh, you had a district that was discovered by the Spanish in the 1700s as a high grade silver district. And you had much like Kino Hill, you had 80 or 90 mines and prospects that were operating from the 1700s to the, the 1940s. US shuts down mining during World War II. Those small miners don't come back. So you've got this tremendous history of this high grade production, much like Kano Hill. Um, and Rio Tinto comes in in 1950 saying, oh, there's a precious metal rich porphyry in the center of this district. This is the kind of thing we're looking for. Um, so they drill about 20 holes. Uh, of course, at 50 cents a pound copper, you'd need five times the grade of today's copper mines to be interesting. Uh, they didn't quite see that, but Phelps Dodge, which is now Freeport, came in and picked it up in the 60s and 70s. They did another 20, 30 holes. So all in, you've got about you know 49 drill holes in this thing that have defined a precious metals-rich porphyry system, very similar to Galore Creek, which was one of the, the, the projects in Nova Gold. So our team has a lot of experience with that kind of porphyry. 
system, and we have a lot of experience in the Kino Hill style high grade vein system. So this is a district that's a perfect fit for us. Uh, Phelps Dodge sold it at the bottom of the copper market cycle in 2002 to two private uh, parties, and we optioned it uh, from those guys here just last year. And so this is a, a district scale high grade silver gold vein district with a porphyry system that's been off the market for 50 years. So it's a it's a terrific fit for us um, and an opportunity for us to to bring the same kind of modern exploration tools we've been applying at Kino. Uh, to this belt that's kind of been forgotten about for 50 years. When do you spend money on it? We are, <laughs> we are, we started spending money on it right after the acquisition. We put the first team on the ground uh, last fall. Um, we have been, uh, we've taken the first soil samples across the district. We've done the first airborne geophysics. Um, this was last worked on pre-porphyry model. So uh, the way we look at these things today is very different than what way we looked at them in, in 1950, 1960. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's early days still, uh, you know. Kino is our, our flagship, but uh, the potential value at La Plata is quite significant. Okay, but so your your, your focus is one hundred percent on Kino. Well, sorry, mostly on Kino, and you're doing a little bit, spending a little bit of money on La Plata. Just to understand yeah. a little bit more about what you got. Is that the idea? Yeah. Well, what do we have at La Plata? Well, there's a historic resource that was developed by Freeport. Um, that is uh, demonstrating that we've got a porphyry system that's open at depth, open along strike, uh, making you know significant grade relative to today's porphyry system. So we're looking to upgrade that to a modern 43101 resource with a bit of drilling uh, alongside of the historic drilling. So we're just getting started still on that in terms of that. You know, way we like to work is we develop the geologic layers, understanding. You know, you've got your geophysics and your soils and your mapping and your drilling. We start to integrate and stack those um, layers of information together, and that gives us the patterns. That gives us the insight about where we should put the next drill hole, what is the area that's going to be the best area to focus on, and start to develop resources and advance those. And having a historic resource at La Plata is a huge leg up okay. in terms of that work. So it's, it's more than project generator. You, you are looking to move this thing forward to advanced exploration before like Kino, getting someone else in to kind of move it forward, advance it. Yeah, ultimately, we're not looking to build these into mines. We're looking sure. to either at Kino, you know, it's obvious at some point, I think the district gets consolidated. Yeah. Um, at La Plata, you know, just the porphyry system alone, not counting the multi-kilometer, you know, district that surrounds it, has already got the indications of a footprint, something one of the majors would be interested okay. in. And so... Uh, that tells us that the ability to partner that at the appropriate time is is going to be there. Alluvial production portfolio, royalty portfolio, sorry. What's that? Uh, what are you doing? What's happening? Well, a lot of people don't know in the early days at Nova Gold, we had a sand and gravel business in Nome, Alaska that paid the bills. And in that bear market, 99-2001, we were able to survive as a company without doing dilutive financings because we had cash flow. It was modest. But it allowed us to take on that Donlin asset, million dollar a year work commitment, because we had that cash flow. So in Metallic Minerals, uh, a couple of years ago, we had the opportunity to pick up one of the largest unmined blocks of ground in that historic Klondike Gold District. This is where, you know, the famous Klondike Gold Rush happened, 20 million ounces of production from the alluvial placers. Today, it's not individual guys with pans that are doing the mining. Um, it's, it's quite an industry. Um, you've got half of the Yukon's gold 
comes out of larger open pit alluvial operations in the Klondike. And so these companies, they're not big enough to have their own exploration teams, but when they run out of mine to ground on their own, on their own ground, they're looking for a place to go, or if they're looking to expand, they're looking for a place to go. So what we've done is we're permitting this ground. We're inviting experienced alluvial operators to come in, take a five, 10 year chunk uh, that's permitted. Uh, year one, they have to put their infrastructure in and do exploration. Year two, they have to do a bulk sample. And year three, they need to go into production. So in the second year, they have to pay us an advanced minimum royalty. And starting in year three, that continues. And then they pay us 10 to 15% of all the gold they produce. So we've got room for 10 or 15 larger operators on the, the ground that we hold already. Um, and so we're looking to build this into a nice cash flow generating business, similar to that uh, sand and gravel operation that we had in, in Nova Gold. It gives us non-dilutive cash flow, gives us gold production ultimately. And either we keep it in the portfolio or, you know, with royalties being so valuable today, we may even monetize this once it's well-developed. But there's a bit of work to be done, uh, but it's not the key focus, but it's something that's unique to, I think, fairly unique to our story. Yeah, never heard it before. Um, I, I, any Anyone signed up yet? Oh, we've got uh, four licenses already underway. Oh, uh, we're in year, yeah. year two. Yeah. Um, so uh, we'll see a bulk sampling this year. We got paid a very modest royalty on production last year from the test work, and we'll see another testing kind of royalty. Cool. And then the hope would be that these guys will be positioned to go into production next year. Uh, we've got uh, a, another large block of ground that's getting permitted right now. We expect to have the permits to get, um, here in the next few months. And what's nice in the alluvial business, you know, it can take you two, three years in Canada to get a permit for a hard rock mine you can often get an alluvial permit um, in six months. And so there's a real shortened timeline to be able to, to permit these because you're not building a multi-billion dollar operation. You know, you're talking tens of millions of dollars in investment. It's, there's no chemicals, it's just gravity uh, and water uh, to, to separate the gold from the gravel. So um, these are things that can be advanced quite rapidly. Interesting. Well, Greg, nice run through. Appreciate that. Um, appreciate your time today. Um, yeah. Interesting, interesting little story. Um, you've got a bit to do the rest of this year, and you, but you've got the money to do it. So, uh, I got the money to do it, and uh, it is an interesting story. I think it is a fairly unique story, hmm. um, and you know, it's early days for us still. What we say to investors is, you know, metal prices are going to go up and down day to day, quarter to quarter, but we do think that the seeds have been, you know, basically planted for a multi-year bull market ahead of us. Um, give us the time. This is a two to three year investment. This is not something you put money in today and in a quarter you say you're there. Give us the time to do what we do well. And that is to define these resources, to grow them and de-risk them. And our hope would be you put a dollar in and you'll be able to take three, four or five dollars out at some point in the future. That's our objective is to create that kind of value. Okay. Greg, appreciate your time. Pick up the phone if there's uh, any further news. Uh delighted to take that call. Thank you. Yeah, we're going to have good news flow from both projects here all the way through the end of the year. So it should be a good time for people to be following the story. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.